Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week three, day three of our study of Isaiah. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Isaiah 8, 11 through 22. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start? Lord, we want to encounter you in your word today. We want to meet you. We want to know you, not just more about you. So speak to us from your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Isaiah 8, starting in verse 11. This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. I want to pause right there. I think this is this is actually profound. I mean, this is prophetic, but it's actually quite profound. Right? Uh he doesn't tell Isaiah not to not to call anything conspiracy. Because there are certainly conspiracies. And, and and right now, I'm recording this in 2023 in the United States, the idea of conspiracy theorists and conspiracy theories, just it, it abounds, right? And there's all these people saying, you know, the conspiracy theorists were all right. And in some cases they were. And, and, and so the, the, these are terms that get tossed around all the time right now and the very emotionally charged words, you know, so... God is not saying that there are no conspiracy theories, um, and and I would say you know anyone that says there are no conspiracy theories, there are definitely uh, conspiracies that go on. People conspiring together to to uh, thwart things and subvert things. All that, that's always happened. It will continue to happen until Jesus is in place on 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 His throne in Jerusalem. That will continue to happen. But one of the things that happens is if we might see legitimate conspiracies and then we start wondering, well, what about this and what about this? And actually getting into too many conspiracy theories and start to, you know, thinking you can look under all these rocks and find things. One of the effects that it has is you start to just see stuff that isn't really there and then you get into paranoia and you actually get into fear and and it really starts to mess with you. And and anyone is susceptible to this. This is not like tin foil hat wearing, you know, people somewhere in a basement with a ham radio and an internet connection. This is anyone is susceptible to this. Anyone. And and we are seeing that, I believe, in our nation, right? In the United States, we're seeing this on a on a grand scale. Um, you know, just because there are actually lots of conspiracies because there are lots of people conspiring and colluding with one another to, to get stuff to change things and get the ways that they want and, and, and th- things like that. Um, then people start trying to see it everywhere. And what that does is it takes your focus off of the Lord, the one who really is in control. And it starts to make you think, well, wait a second, if we can get these people out of out of power and get these people out of power, if we can overtake this and overtake this, right, we can we can become the puppet masters. Right. I see all the conspiracies that are going on. And if you'll just listen to me, we gotta get rid of these people and these people that are all conspiring together, then then we'll get rid of all the puppet masters. But in doing so, we kind of set ourselves up as the new puppet master, right? I'm the one trying to puppet master everything. 
because I'm saying that they're the puppet masters and we got to get rid of them, right? It's it's this age-old thing of, of we've got to have a revolution to get rid of the bad people, and then we do the revolution, and it's like, hey, now I'm in charge, and I'm just as bad, if not worse, than the bad people we got rid of. That's the, the, the thing that's going on here. And the Lord's telling Isaiah, don't get caught up in that. You fear me. You listen to me. You understand I'm the one who brings judgment, not these people trying to play puppet master. Because in the end, people like, like there are, there really are tons of conspiracies. There are politicians and powerful business people and all this is constantly going on. They're constantly conspiring and colluding with one another to try and get a little bit more ground here or a little bit more power here, a little bit more money here. That's, that's just life. That's people. That's human nature. That's constantly going on. But one of the things that's like very clear all throughout history when people are doing that is they're not very good at it. Or at least they're not very good at it for very long. People don't keep secrets very well for very long. And, and you know, you can put so much fear and control over people, but eventually secrets come out. Stuff finds its way to the surface. You know, you, you just most people are not very good at creating conspiracies. It falls apart. And so the Lord's saying, like, listen, you should not fear those people that are conspiring. You shouldn't fear conspiracies that are real or imagined. You should fear me. I'm the one who makes the decision on whether or not you live or die, whether or not you spend eternity in in uh, in heaven with me or in eternal punishment. I'm the one that determines all of these things. You should understand that I'm the one that makes those decisions. You should listen to me. You should follow me. The Lord is no puppet master. The Lord is just in charge. We got people playing puppet master over here, people playing puppet master over here, and then we try and play our own puppet master with all of that. The Lord's saying, I don't puppet anyone. I'm in charge. And there's nobody that takes that away from me. Isaiah, you understand that. You regard me as holy. You fear me no one else. Don't dread it. Don't fear it. You follow me. Verse 13, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Now, this is very interesting. Jesus applies this to himself. In the New Testament, this is applied to Jesus in the New Testament. He is the rock of offense, right? The Lord is saying, listen, don't think about all these conspiracies that are going to bring down the nation. We've got to like, we've got to root this out and get rid of these things. No, he's like, not only is that like nothing compared to me, I'm actually like going to be against you. If you don't want to like follow me and fear me and run after me. I'm going to be against you so that I will be that rock of offense. I will be the thing that you trip on in the night. I'm going to be the trap and the snare that you fall into. Right? He's like, you had better not fear people. You'd better fear me. And what he means by this is that I'm the one that actually determines your life and your outcome. And so when you properly understand that, as Solomon says, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, fearing the Lord, if we stay in that place, 
it's not a good place for us. Um, but the initial understanding of, oh my goodness, it's the Lord and the Lord alone who determines my next breath and my future and my eternal state. That's a fearful thing. And that fear is what drives us to the Lord. That's the, as Solomon says, the beginning of wisdom, not wisdom itself. It's the, it's the, the front door into learning the wisdom of the Lord being in his presence. Verse 15, many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among many of among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. Now, this is Isaiah saying this, right? Like me and my children, we are signs and symbols. And literally they are like his children's names mean something about these different prophecies that the Lord has given him. So he's like, hey, we're going to follow the Lord. This is almost kind of like Joshua's statement, like you can do what you want. But as for me and my household, we're going to follow the Lord. We're going to fear him. We're going to run after him. And the Lord has actually like made me and my family, my clan, signs and symbols for this nation. So we're following after him. Verse 19, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whispers and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Verse 20, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. This wasn't just true in Isaiah's day. I feel like this is very true in our day now, we see all of these people saying, you know, the world is about to end if we don't get this climate crisis under control. The world's about to end because of this or because of this. And, and you know, there's psychological studies going on right now. I mean, the, the rates of depression and suicide and just, uh, just so many mental illnesses because of these doom and gloom narratives. Now, now the idea of doom and gloom comes from places like Isaiah. It comes from the Lord. But when the doom and gloom prophecies are not from God, when it's all of this, you know, just everything's so bleak and everything's awful, um, you know, you turn your back on the Lord and then you just start saying the negative in everything. And then there's no hope. Right, the the Lord definitely says, "Hey, listen, guys, it's it's very very negative. It's very negative for for you right now. Things are not going well. You need to turn your heart back to me." But the problem is, if you reject that and you turn your heart away from the Lord, it's still very negative. But it actually gets worse and worse and worse, right? Because when things are negative and things are bad and things are dark, when we turn our hearts back to Him, there's redemption, there's forgiveness, there's light, there's freedom. Right. All of these prophecies, they're not God. I I like the phrase, you know, it's not God shaking you over hell on a rotten stick. Right. That's not how God works, but that's how the rest of the world works. And the doom and gloom that's going on right now, it's fake doom and gloom. Now, to be clear, the, the Bible prophesies that the earth is going to 
like physically naturally have troubles and things like that, but it's brought on by, by other things It's brought on by sin and bloodshed and things like that. Um, the earth will groan under those things, uh, not because necessarily we burn too many fossil fuels. Although as an aside, like, you know, cleaning things up is never a wrong thing to do. It's never a bad thing to do. Who wants to live in smog-filled cities and those kinds of things? So it's like, it's not that you have to have one or the other, but understand that the the earth doesn't groan under the weight of fossil fuels. It groans under the weight of sin. It groans under the weight of sin. Now, sometimes sin can lead to people polluting and doing bad things, and then it actually causes the earth to groan. But it's it's not the the activities necessarily we engage in themselves. It's the the way that we go about them. It's the sin that we engage ourselves in that defile the land that actually destroyed the earth. Um, and so when we look at these things apart from God, it only brings depression. It only brings doom and gloom. There is no salvation. There is no salvation uh, from what what people would call the climate crisis we're in right now, because the problem is part of when it comes to politics or anything like that, the conspiracy theories, the, the crises, they're always going to be there because that's how politicians and that's how people in control continue to control people. Ever since from the time of Genesis, it's crisis to crisis to crisis. And that's how people control other people is you need me to protect you. You need me to make decisions. You need me and in all of that kind of stuff. And when people are like, no, I don't need you. I need God. I, I don't need you right there. That's where the conflict comes in is I don't want you to need God. I want you to need me. And so when it comes to that, there's no, there's never an end to a crisis when the crisis is not the Lord proclaiming it, right? The Lord is definitely in Isaiah here proclaiming some crises saying, hey, Assyria's coming. These things are going to happen. Those are, those are big crises. But they have a, a purpose and they have an end and they have a redemption. A crisis created by man apart from God has no end and it only is a hole that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that is essentially what Isaiah is prophesying here. That's what the Lord is speaking is apart from me, right? There's God's definitely prophesying doom and gloom, but the doom and gloom of God has another side. There's, there's dawn at the end of night with people and with the crisis that they create and the crisis that they manufacture, the crisis that they maybe notice and come up with. There is no dawn. There's only more darkness. There's only ever deeper darkness. And so when you reject God and you go with these crises, as you're going through them, instead of repenting and turning your heart back to God, the people, they, they cry out in anguish and they shake their fist at God. Say, how dare you? And then their darkness only gets worse. Now, the, the doom and gloom of the Lord, the, the prophecies of destruction and catastrophe that the Lord has, and, and we see this play out with the Israelites in, in Babylon, is, yes, it's terrible and terrifying, but there's beautiful redemption on the other side. There's beautiful light. There's favor. There's all of these things. When there's, there's this supernatural presence of God. If you find yourself right now 
under the weight of the depression and the darkness of the doom and gloom prophecies of our world, separate from God, separate from what scripture says, this might be your moment to repent. This might be your moment to turn your eyes to God and ask him what he says about our current situation, what he says about these things. What is it that defiles the earth? What is it that destroys the earth? And what is his solution? Because it's only those solutions that are going to bring us out of any darkness. And it's only turning to him, looking for his way out, that bring us any light or comfort or peace. I pray that you and I will be lights in this dark world who will acknowledge that there is doom and gloom on the horizon, but there's also light. Because that's what the world's missing. The world has plenty of doom and gloom. They have doom and gloom to prophesy, so do we. They have only darkness. But we have light at the end of the tunnel. We have we have something that's coming. We have we have doom and gloom. We have darkness unto a thing that's glorious light. And no one else has that. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.